0: Hello and welcome back to a new episode of Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism, the Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Jeffrey. I'm Eleni. And this week we are discussing episode 17 of season five titled Pulp Friction, which I think is a clever title. Do you think so?
1: Yeah, but what do you think the friction is referring to?
0: Uh, All of it. Logan and Rory, uh, Lorelai and Emily, L- Emily, Luke, Lorelai, all of it. There's friction,
1: <laughs> Michelle.
0: Oh, Michelle, and the stupid trailer, whatever it's called,
1: camper van RV. I don't know what it's um, called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of friction,
0: and, and the pulp friction obviously comes from the Quentin Tarantino party, which I have a lot of questions about.
1: You have questions about the movie, or
0: I have questions about Tar- Quentin Tarantino in general, but. We'll, okay. get to, we'll get to that. Before we get to that, I did have something that I wanted to get Alani's opinion on that has nothing to do with Gilmore Girls. I know we started a whole email newsletter for these types of things, but sometimes it's good to incorporate a little of that into the podcast, okay? Okay. So I know you haven't seen it, but I went on opening night to see the live action uh, Little Mermaid, which I was excited about and just out of anticipation i think of i was excited about it um and it cuz it was one of my favorites growing up and the animated film was kind of monumental in its place in like disney animation history so obviously i had big shoes to fill and not all of the disney live action adaptations have been well executed have you seen any of the live action disney movies
1: um i've seen beauty and the beast mm mm-hmm. I've seen the 1000 iterations of Cinderella. Okay. Except for the new one with what's her face? Camila okay. Cabello?
0: Oh yes, don't s- skip that one.
1: I'm good, thanks. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Um what else have I seen? I haven't seen the Lion King one. Me neither. Um I have not seen Mulan.
0: Okay, Mulan's Mulan's good. It's it's different.
1: Yeah, I think it's because I love the original Mulan so much. Yeah, with Mushu. Um, yeah
0: it's it's not the it's it's the same. I know
1: it's not the same thing. So I was like, whatever. Um, what else? What other ones have there been?
0: Uh there's been a lot. Aladdin. Um, oh yeah, I saw Aladdin. Aladdin, yeah. There was Dumbo. <laughs> that didn't do very well. My mom and I saw Dumbo in the theater. We liked it, but it it would. This was before Disney Plus, so I think that would have been a Disney Plus original in 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 2023. Mm. Um. Yeah. There's been a lot. It's uh, a lot of people say it's a money grab, which obviously it is. And then there's the you know the diehard Disney fans like myself and my mother, <laughs> who will just watch just about anything to see. I mean, more so me than my mother will watch just about anything that they come up with to see if they're gonna breathe new life into the tale somehow. Because I found that like Beauty and the Beast, I think was the strongest out of all of them that they've remade. And I think they showed even though that that tale is as old as time as as it goes um (laughs) like they they managed to find more to say in the story i find and in in it i'm gonna say it's better than the animated one because they both exist in different realms but um i like it showed me that there's there's more to tell if they want to make live action movies like it's not just cut and dry cut and paste it's there's more to say in the story anyway so i was excited to see how they would approach that with the little mermaid Obviously, there was a whole hullabaloo for several years over the casting of a black Ariel, which is just completely racist and not worth getting into because it's racist. (laughs) So So I saw it on opening night and I wasn't like to borrow a phrase from I'm blanking on her name now, but one of the queens from Drag Race says, I'm not gagging
1: that was yeah
0: her (laughs) that was basically me throughout the entire movie like I just was very underwhelmed I thought they made they made a big deal about how like oh look we can film we can make it look like humans are living underwater like they put a bunch of time and effort into the visual effects and I found the story itself was just not it like they didn't really do much with it and Apologies to Melissa McCarthy fans near and far, including myself, because I love her. And I think she, as we've seen on Gilmore Girls, is, n- needs no introduction. But that was not a good choice for Ursula. I'm so, so I
1: always <laughs> thought that the role of Ursula should go to a drag queen.
0: Is, it, yeah, absolutely. And I think if Howard Ashman, who was the lyricist and producer of the animated Little Mermaid, was still alive today. Sadly, he's not because he died young of AIDS. Um, I think if he was still alive today and had a hand in the live in the live action Little Mermaid, he would have advocated for a drag queen to play Ursula.
1: I, I always see, see like a Jinx monsoon in that right? role. Because they're so big and like outrageous and campy, you know, which is what Ursula calls for.
0: And again, no, no tea or shade to Mrs. McCarthy. She was just an actor hired for a role, but it was the wrong actor. Like, mm-mm. it was something. It with, I was caught between like it felt like I was watching a Saturday Night Live skit that just wouldn't end, you know. It wasn't mm. so. And the and-
1: makeup was not it.
0: <laughs> no, there was that was that was a whole controversy about that, about how the the makeup artist they hired, who was a straight white man, I think, and a lot of queer makeup artists were coming for his throat, saying like, uh, a queer person should have been hired to do the makeup, and he's like, why? I can do just as good enough, j- just as good a job as a queer artist. Mm, no. no, baby. No, you can't. <laughs> no. Anyway, so my question for you is more on a broad pop-cultural scale, less about The Little Mermaid because you haven't seen it. Um, So there's a review on Vulture that I thought was pretty apropos. It's pretty negative. (laughs) Um, And it's written by a Black critic, which I think is important to distinct uh, because, uh, you know, a white critic can sometimes lose credibility in these kind of discussions, like myself. (laughs) um, She kind of... Brought up a point that you've made in other conversations we've had about movies and tv shows and like how they like hollywood now will try to like prioritize representation as much as they can while kind of letting everything else slip through the cracks so um in the in the article in her review she says how um hallie bailey who plays ariel has been like going on her press tour and saying how She's excited for this version of The Little Mermaid because they think the character is stronger and like doesn't just leave the ocean for a boy. It's bigger than that. It's her purpose, her freedom, blah, 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 which, okay, all of that was still in the animated movie, in my opinion. Um, So she wrote that, like, this Little Mermaid only provides the skin of progress, not the bone, marrow, sinew, and gut necessary to change the story on a deeper level. Mainstream pop culture is stuck in a gear where the people involved in a production argue for the work's importance rather than its artistry. They give a personal anecdote. They talk about how children can grow up viewing the characters as a model for their own lives, rinse and repeat. That to me just like struck me as something that you would say to me in terms of like, oh, I love this movie because I feel seen by it. And you're like, that's great. I'm happy you're seen by it. But at the same time, the artistry of the movie might not be good. You know what I mean? I find it's so yeah, really- I,
1: I don't think it takes away the validity of the film. No. Um- so like you said I haven't seen it
0: Mm -hmm.
1: what I have seen is a bunch of very excited young black girls absolutely going to see it and finally feeling represented Mm -hmm. because unfortunately the reality for a lot of young children of color is that even at such an early age they're aware that they are not um viewed the same way unfortunately yeah and that's to me really heartbreaking mm-hmm. um because you should never feel like that and unfortunately they do they have to feel like that very early on yeah um so I I'm not super into the original story of the little mermaid mm-hmm. to begin with
0: yeah I don't I think it's like one of those Feminist, anti-feminist. That's it's, the
1: thing. Like it's a
0: cartoon. What? What can you say?
1: I mean, but at the end, of, listen. All the early Disney shit with the princesses is not. The, they're not the most feminist films, right?
0: No, and that's just a reflect, a, that's just a reflection of their time.
1: Exactly, giving up your voice for an idiot, uh, Cinderella. D- d- losing her shoe and the guy not even being re- able to remember her face but he's the yeah. one true love like it doesn't make sense you know yeah. what i mean um so like unless they completely change the story i don't think i will have anything more to say about that it's yeah. just not the film for me mm-hmm. um i'll probably still go see it or wait for it to come out on disney plus i'm not sure but so i think two things can be true i think you can like a movie because you feel represented in it and that's okay you're allowed to like whatever movies you like um and i think people can still criticize it even though it means a lot to you right yeah
0: and i think that's where a lot of the controversy itself has come from with the little mermaid because there's obviously been a lot of support for it on Twitter and social media in general from a lot of um, like black viewers who think it's so monumental and it is. And like, I, I agree with you in terms of I've seen videos of like little girls going to see the uh, like little black girls going to see the little mermaid for the first time and like seeing themselves represented in a Disney princess on the screen for the first time. There's also a video, I like a, a reel I saw on Instagram of uh, a little girl. I'm, think at either Disneyland or Disney World and Halle Bailey was there and she like runs up to her and like jumps oh, in her arms so nice. and, and like jumps in her arms and like she's just like holding her and hugging her and like for several minutes and the mom's like oh my gosh I'm so sorry. She's like no no it's fine like it, like literally we just like I don't know how long they were standing there but it was as it was as if it was her own daughter, you know? Yeah. Um that's amazing. Like if that if a piece of art can give that to kids I want that for them, especially for uh, kids from a racial minority or any minority, I think where the disconnect lies is that, like you said, two things can be true, like that can exist and give people that sense of themselves. Wonderful. But at the same time, we can also look at it from a critical lens and be like, I didn't like this for this reason. I didn't think this works. And basically this critic was just saying how there's limits to this kind of representation, which can be good for a children's children's imagination. But not necessarily as well for adults consuming the children's media, which I again is a disconnect. Um, like I'm just saying, for me, like I also got to write a review of Little Mermaid for a site that I've been writing for, and I purposely didn't share the link on my Twitter in fear of, like, people coming for me, like I don't like black people of uh, fans of the movie coming for me with a hashtag or something. Um, more just because like. I said Halle Bailey was a nice choice. I offered a bit of critique on her performance, but I wasn't taking away from the fact that it was a black arrow. I have no objection to that. It was more like the movie itself has issues and we have to be able to look at the issues without taking away from the social progress it might give. And this critic also even said um, it's all made worse by the fact that Hollywood sees people of color as a boy in times of financial strife and said, consider consider the black exploitation boom of the 70s like there's po- there's a lot of politics involved when this kind of when these kind of movies happen and they cast uh a, you know a black actress in a iconic cartoon character that was originally white like that's gonna ruffle some feathers unfortunately but can
1: we, can we just like agree
0: mm-hmm.
1: that if you're criticizing a movie because they cast a black actor
0: you're probably like there's a problem
1: <laughs> like you're an idiot number one yeah like the hashtag like that,
0: not not my ariel
1: okay but like beyond that huh. i saw a critic before the movie came out was like mermaids are just not black bitch mermaids don't exist they can be whatever we want them to be
0: but <laughs> and i was telling that to like i went to see it with my friend and her mom and i was like i was like quoting a tweet saying like oh black people black people aren't mermaids like mermaids aren't black like mermaids don't exist <laughs> Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and the fact that if it's going to bother you that like to take some kind of mythical being like a mermaid or a I don't know, a phoenix, I don't like whatever. You're going to take something that doesn't exist. And it was historically portrayed by a white actor because that's how things were for so long. And now all of a sudden it's like, hey, what if we cast a black actor to do it? If that causes a problem for you, that... That's kind of what that's a you problem. You want to, you might want to look in the mirror and examine why it's like you me.
1: need to be committed if that causes you this much distress. Absolutely. Like I'm always reminded of people like that around pride.
0: Mm, straight pride.
1: Straight When is straight months? And you're like every fucking month a straight month. <laughs> but like I'm just it's so ridiculous to me that you don't give a shit every other day or month of the year. Yeah, and all of a sudden you have something to care about. Like, get a life. I know. Get a life.
0: Speaking <laughs> of speaking of straight pride, I'm reminded of. I think I might still have it in my bookmarks on Instagram, but it was a reel from last year, probably a TikTok that was posted as a reel because you know we're old. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was like, um, you know, people saying, "When is straight pride?" That is so disrespectful to disrespect Toyota Thon like that. <laughs> when is toyota phone i don't know but that that's straight pride and I'm another serious. funny we're talking about this because another account i follow um it's like a gay book club on instagram and they posted like on their story today like what would this what like what would a straight pride anthem be and i wrote sweet caroline
1: yes 100 <laughs> or
0: anything but ed sheeran <laughs>
1: sweet home alabama while we're at it oh, but anyways um Anyways, I think you can you can criticize a movie for the story for the performances for the score for the makeup whatever you want to criticize it for you know like not all movies are going to please everybody but right. if you're criticizing it I think we can all agree if you're criticizing it because they cast a black actor like fuck you
0: yeah that's and it sad- sadly I'm sure there's probably a bunch of articles you can read from a racist point of view on a bunch of right-wing Sites, but I'm not looking for those. So,
1: and if you are the people that are reading those, just don't listen to this podcast anymore.
0: <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, there's none of those in the audience, but okay. Yeah. Just run along. Going to run along. Gonna run along. Anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's get into this episode, shall we? Okay. Talk to me.
0: Talk Where to do you, you want to start? I want to start. I want to start with why won't Kirk let Lulu keep her ribbon?
1: Listen, Kirk has been given a job.
0: (laughs) And Kirk never loses sight of his job except for the Easter eggs, and that broke him.
1: Okay, well, that's different. (laughs) I feel like for the Easter eggs, he was put in charge of something. Mm -hmm. Whereas for all his other jobs, he's just been told, like, here's the job, do it, you know?
0: True. Yeah, I guess Kirk is not much of a manager, sadly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. He's very much like a a blue-collar worker, which is fine. Yeah. And he takes direction very well. But he's not like a, a project lead, you know? Yeah. I
0: think I think that's that's probably for the better. That's probably best.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Poor Kirk.
0: I just I love I don't know how to describe it. I love the scene in the beginning that we're talking about where Lulu is like walking outside of the diner and Kirk calls and she's like, I like my ribbon, it's pink. I like pink. And she's like, This is bigger than your love of pink. Yeah. Oh, like she just screams! I'm like so dramatic. I'm like only in Stars Hollow with this. Yeah.
1: Also, I feel like just get another pink ribbon. Yeah. Or like a pink sweater. I don't know.
0: Especially since you could find like, I don't know, a breast cancer pin and say like, I'm, I like, I'm supporting breast cancer awareness while also liking pink, or I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> um, it's very, it's very them though. Yes. It's very chaotic. It's very their brand. Um, And I love what Luke says because it's very accurate. If somebody sold if somebody had a store selling giant butterfly nuts, they'd make a killing. Absolutely. Um, So the ribbon returning is -hmm. happening and Luke is not at all surprised that Lorelai is winning.
0: No. Right?
1: That Lorelai is, I guess, better like more people took Lorelai's side in the breakup.
0: Yeah. And I think that has to do with more so with Luke's like curmudgeon-esque exterior rather than like who who has the who has more of a stature in the town. Because I think if you want to compare, Luke has been more of a, fig- a Star's Hollow figure than Lorelai has been. You know, like I think Lorelai is a bit more well-liked than Luke is because Luke is grumpy and just serves your food and leave me alone. Whereas Lorelai is friendly and will do anything for anyone.
1: Yeah, um, but I think it's not. I think Luke's right, though. You know, Lorelai does help people. She's she she says good morning. She smiles. You know, like mm-hmm. she. In terms of who the town likes more, I think it's Lorelai, who's more established in the town. It's probably Luke. He's been yeah. there his whole life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you're right. He's just grumpy, and people are like, "Fuck that guy."
0: <laughs> Literally, imagine throwing people out of your diner just because you're in. Yeah, a-
1: by the collar, like, fuck off. <laughs>
0: You're not getting your you're not getting you're not getting your, your ribbons now buddy
1: exactly um so then they have a little bet going on about who whoever loses the ribbons owes the other one dinner uh-huh. um and Lorelai is getting ready for the date and she's gone shopping with Rory and let's talk about this dress that she's wearing <laughs>
0: <laughs> honestly I feel like I'm just blind to it now like only when you point it out I'm like god that's horrible I'm just I think I'm so desensitized to the Kimmy Girls fashion choices
1: so that's true for me too but there are certain outfits that I can't um, defend no or I can't turn a blind eye as they. especially
0: say. there was that one in season 3 that you posted on her Instagram of Suki's where she's wearing like Five different sweaters or something. Oh my
1: god, Suki is just the like I find as the seasons go on, they make Suki look worse and worse. Yeah, which whereas I find for Lorelai and Rory, Mm -hmm. they do a much better job of growing their wardrobe with them, you know? Yeah. Um, especially with Rory, I find. But what I what I hate about the show and probably the costume designers don't kill me, is but they're probably getting direction from higher ups is that I find the opposite is true for Lane and Suki.
0: And as as the show goes on, it gets worse.
1: Yeah. Like I, I, especially for Lane, because I think I'm more angered by it because she is so young and she should be evolving the way Rory is fashion wise. Yeah. And really it's just like, it gets worse and worse as the seasons go on.
0: So do you think that's because, Like they're just supporting side characters and their wardrobe, their wardrobes matter less. Or do you think it's because that's reflective of their characters? Like Suki becomes a wife and mother. Therefore she shouldn't need to put that much effort into her appearance. And Lane is just a waitress slash part-time drummer in a band who cares what she's wearing.
1: So I think both things can be true in terms of what I think it is. I think for Lane, it's we're not going to put that much effort into it anyways.
0: Just like her storyline.
1: Just like her storyline, exactly. She's kind of an afterthought. And for Suki, she always dressed kind of quirky.
0: Yeah, but then and it's... She, became-
1: and yeah, her character was always kind of quirky, but then it just became like...
0: Too much, <laughs> like whatever she can wear, whatever. Really, we really don't care. Put her in, yeah.
1: <laughs> like as long it's Suki, as long as she's wearing her like bandana and she has eighty six band aids around her finger, we know it's her. You know. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, I wish you paid more attention to what she's wearing.
0: Oh, and it's only these are only the types of things that you 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 pick up on. Maybe you pick, maybe other people pick up, pick pick up that blah, blah blah. Pick up on them <laughs> more when they watch for fun, but I really don't. It's only when you point them out. That I go back and I realize, oh, and then you can't unsee it. That's why I think I'm, I think I purposely desensitized myself to it. So I'm like, I, I, I don't want to know,
1: which is fine. I mean, if you're watching for pleasure, you don't want to have to absolutely analyze everything. But mm-hmm. there are times where I'm just, I'm, oh, I want to know what they were thinking, and the outfit that L- Lorelai is wearing for her back
0: together with Luke date, mm-hmm. I'm
1: just like. Why does she look like a unicorn?
0: Because Lorelai Gilmore is the human embodiment of a unicorn.
1: No, but I mean it looks like what a little girl would draw when she's asked to like imagine a princess in a faraway land.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that.
1: Like what grown ass woman wears a sparkly pink dress? With the
0: teeny
1: cardigan that's also pink. Yeah. Like, it just looked like they infantilized her a little bit in this, sh- in this episode.
0: Yeah, and I think it has a lot to do with kind of Y2K fashion choices, which...
1: Yeah, so I think that's part of it, for sure. Because, God help us, that was kind of... The, like, the mini cardigans and whatever was kind of the trend back then.
0: Yeah, like, we both lived through the 2000s and their bad fashion choices and when one like anytime you see like on a nostalgia page on Instagram that posts red carpet shots from 2006 you're like please get this off of my feed I do not need to see Ashley Tisdale in jeans and whatever the hell she wore it was not good
1: <laughs> like one of the major ones was wearing jeans under a dress
0: yeah no no that's and fine. like the
1: pointiest shoes. Why did we do that? Well, I never did it. But why did we do that? No. Yeah. So I think part of it, yes, okay, is like 2000s fashion. I get it. But it wasn't even age appropriate, I find. And normally I hate saying that because I, I really don't think like fashion has an age to it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. wear, wear what makes you feel comfortable. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. But I really think they were trying to do something with this outfit.
0: I think and so, it too.
1: Was, And it was really distracting for me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you are a grown-ass businesswoman (laughs) who raised her child alone.
0: You know, I thought you were going to say, it was that that meme where it's like, you're a grown-ass woman, you had a choice. (laughs) No,
1: that's not what I was going to say, but it could be. I mean, it's just, oh, I hated it so
0: much. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good.
1: Yeah, it wasn't good. And even, I find, this episode is all over the place for me, even the um, outfit she's wearing when she's at the inn,
0: mm-hmm. when
1: they're getting ready, like they're staging the inn for the photo shoot, and she's wearing this red, like scoop neck shirt with the little flowers. Yeah. Even that, I'm like, why? why? It's not necessary.
0: It's not good. <laughs> Especially
1: um, since last episode, we didn't talk about this, but last episode, I find her, I found her fashion really, really great.
0: Uh-huh. She it was can-
1: wearing these two, um, like velvety blazers.
0: It has ebbs and flows.
1: Yeah. That's the thing that I think is the most jarring when I'm watching for the point of analysis. <laughs> is that last week she was dressed so well. And we didn't mention it on the podcast because there's only so much. Like we went over we went over an hour and a half last week. So
0: there was only so much we could say. Which but we haven't done in a while, I must say. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know. We've been really good. But last week I remember thinking, if we have time, I'll bring up the fact that I really love her outfits this week, you know? Even though they were very Y2K, I get it. But they really suited her for being what they were.
0: And then this week, I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, I would love an Like, in general, I would love an oral history of Gilmore Girls. And in that, I I want a chapter on the fashion.
1: Yeah, I know um, some of the costume people are on Instagram.
0: I think one of them follows us, actually.
1: (laughs) We should get her on here.
0: We also, there's a couple of people who follow us that we want to get on here. Wink, Oh, well, wink. yeah,
1: for sure. But I mean, there are times like these where I'm like, why? And I just need answers. But yeah, not a good overall fashion episode for the Gilmores.
0: No. And it's funny if we were to we could do a whole other podcast on just the fashion by there probably is one because there's several Gilmore podcasts out there, as you yeah. all, as you all know.
1: But it's just it's It pains me because you know what's bad though is that um, I find two that I find sorry I find episode nope fuck it I find season six, Mm -hmm. um, plot wise not great like not amazing not terrible but not great Mm -hmm. but the fashion was truly killer. Interesting. In that, like, I find it was appropriate. All the characters were dressed appropriately for them. Like, it made sense. Even though it was like Y2K fashion.
0: It's funny you're saying that because the last time that I watched season seven in my head, I had, I don't know if it was a tweet or an article, something on the internet. I saw alluded to the fact that one of the only good benefits of the show moving to the CW for its last season was that they finally got a decent wardrobe department. So I don't, know how, I don't know what your thoughts on that are, but I did notice when I was watching the last season, like it felt a bit more on trend with the time period and less like quirky small town, you know? I felt a bit, there's kind of some episodes where they were dressed a bit more Hollywood-esque than Connecticut-esque, shall yeah. we say. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I think a lot of things probably shifted once the Paladinos left the the program, so... Who knows? Maybe it was, for all we know, like the bad fashion could have been part of the small town quirk. i love it. Yeah, to... I
1: also think the reason that the fashion gets better in season six and seven is because of the storylines as well. Yeah. Um, so season seven, I think Lorelai is meant to dress more quote unquote sophisticated.
0: Oh, because she's married. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: well, no, because she married... It's kind of shitty to say, but she, like, married up kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And is always bragging about his money.
0: True.
1: So, I don't know. I always thought of it like that, but I don't... I could be reading way too much into it.
0: Ugh, another reason why season seven is trash.
1: Yeah, but Rory looks fucking good in season seven, so we're going to keep that in mind. She does. Anyways, um, loving Rory's bangs. Okay, we're not going to talk about that now. <laughs> so, whatever. They go on their dates... Their reunion date, I guess, and Lorelai finds out that Luke bought a reggae CD. Yes, and that causes mucho anxiety.
0: Uh I and rightfully so. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's not like a deal breaker, but it's like a bit <laughs> off, a bit off kilter for, for Luke. You know. I don't well, know. I
1: don't picture Luke listening to music, anyways. No, but the fact that. I think, okay, so I think Lorelai makes a way bigger deal of it than it is. Mm -hmm. But I think what she says is like, we've been living these two separate lives and you did something that I knew knew nothing about kind of thing. I think it was more uh, uh, meant to to tell him and to show him that she hated that time. Mm -hmm. You know, when they were apart and doing their own thing and she didn't, he was doing this whole thing that she didn't know about, you know, even if it's as dumb as buying a reggae CD. True, Um, yeah, poor Luke (laughs) didn't even know what he bought.
0: Um, I don't know, I think maybe Luke is like a has a lot of like when you say he you don't picture Luke as being someone who listens to music. I feel like I don't know to me, I think everyone has a bit of an inner life of what they like to listen to or or watch, and the people who don't really broadcast are usually the ones of the most interesting, uh, like like interesting never would have expected you to like this kind of (laughs) interests
1: yeah but luke's an enigma as a character because there are times where lorelei will say something to him and he's like what the fuck are you talking about Hmm. and other times she'll say like oh it's like that movie the fly and he's like oh i know i've seen the fly and you're (laughs) like what do you mean i feel like the writers forget that he (laughs) i feel like they forgot who they wrote sometimes
0: And then there's, like, him not knowing about FBI warnings at the beginning of videos, so I don't know. Yeah,
1: but knowing all about the little rascals and, like, Kelsey Grammer and shit. Yeah. I don't know.
0: So what's the truth?
1: (laughs) What's the truth, really, you guys? I don't know. I I don't picture Luke listening to music. Any person that can fix a toaster without any background noise in the back, like... (laughs) No. I'm sorry. No.
0: Yeah. Red flag. <laughs>
1: red flag you guys. <laughs> I don't know if it's a red flag, but I just think it's it's Yeah, he's an enigma. He is. Um So, should we talk about Emily coming to the diner?
0: Sure. Let's let let's like, uh to let's wrap up the
1: that Luke that. and Lorelai
0: storyline. Yeah, let's think of um how could how could Emily possibly have done anything more? She, she you know, she did everything. Would actually apologize?
1: Yeah. The fact that <laughs> to me this is so funny because when Rory goes to Friday night dinner and she's like, "Oh, you know, it's just the three of us. Mom's not coming,"
0: mm-hmm. and Emily's can, like, "Yeah, Richard, Richard both. did not hide it at all.
1: No, of course not. Well, I also just think that's indicative of Richard and Laura. Lorela- um, sorry, Richard and Emily. No, Richard and Rory's relationship." Mm-hmm. Um like I always just thought that they were closer and that Richard has no problem being honest with her. Yeah. Whereas Emily has more of like a defense mechanism in general and doesn't want people to see her either be wrong or be um or like eat her words kind of thing, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so Richard didn't hide it at all. Emily's like of course we knew the maid made a mistake. She's fired and you're like oh the bitch. But then um at the end when Rory leaves and they're having Richard and Emily are having their conversation I love how they both just jump to the conclusion of like well he's not the sharpest tool in the shed he probably didn't go to her yeah rather than thinking we did something wrong yeah it's so frustrating it's
0: (laughs) to me it's just a very I'm gonna say a bougie thing like mindset in terms of The con like like it's almost as if like they're they're so upper class that the consequences of their own actions can't touch them because of how hoity toity they are. Does that make sense? Yeah. So to me, it's almost as if, wow, she doesn't still want to come to dinner because he didn't go to her, or whatever other reason it could be. Like, or, or or maybe she's not over it yet, or maybe she you know maybe you didn't actually apologize to her, um. To me, it's like Emily, especially. I don't know. If so, like, obviously, Richard is complicit in it, but I don't know. To me, <laughs> Emily immediately decides to villainize Luke even more. It was, it's like it just gave her an excuse to continue hating him.
1: Yeah, and I think it it just reinforces her thought that you know, okay, I I may I may have done something wrong, but at least I fixed it, and now the ball's in his court. Mm. Did she fix in, it? No, exactly. She didn't, right? <laughs> but in her like twisted, convoluted way of thinking, she's like, I I did it. I went to him. I told him to go. It's his fault now, you
0: know? You think that was easy for her to go there and go and talk to the, din- the guy at the diner, the local greasy spoon or whatever she says?
1: Yeah, she is like... Ugh. Ugh. That scene at the end where she's, I don't know, confronting him, but not really confronting him. It's so, it just proves again how out of touch she is. Mm -hmm. Like, you walk into his business, again, to yell at him, again, to get your way. Yeah. Without even thinking that maybe you should just apologize and that'll be a good first step.
0: And then she's like, well, if if you're back together, what's the problem? Why don't you come to Friday night dinner? Uh... Because... Because it's
1: so obvious for everyone else, and I'm just like, do we really have to explain this to you?
0: Do you think that she is just her head is so is so far up her own ass that she that she like you think she in some realm or universe she knows why Lorelai is not coming to dinner, but she's just so far in denial of her own actions that this is how she reacts.
1: No, I think she's genuinely surprised that she's not coming to dinner. Like I think that was obvious when she told the maid to set another plate. Mm-hmm. and She was like, well, I did what I had to do. Yeah. No, I think she's just really bad at being a mother. <laughs> or just in general, like an apologizer.
0: Yeah, and I think that goes I think that is very on brand for her character. I think it, knowing everything we know about Emily Gilmore, I wouldn't it's not it's not unexpected for her to cause such destruction and be like, OK, well, I fixed it. I didn't actually yeah. apologize or take or take or take a responsibility for my actions, but I fixed it. I fixed that.
1: <laughs> it's also just um, like blatantly misunderstanding what you did wrong. Yeah. Because if it was that simple. Like if the only issue is that you butted in when they told you not to butt in. And mm-hmm. then you you went to the diner and said, like, listen, I shouldn't have butted in, which she kind of said last time. Yeah. Then maybe. But the whole issue is that it's an ongoing pattern and you keep treating him like shit, mm-hmm. as was evident with how she spoke to him when she went back. Right.
0: I would also like to emphasize during her little rant when she goes back to the diner, she literally blames Luke for, quote, tearing her family apart.
1: I know. It's I'm l- sorry. So ridiculous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like this is just oh like imagine being so far removed from the planet earth and human and regular human interaction you said that the human <laughs> earth you just she's like my family's being tearing like my is being torn apart and blah 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 it's like because of you you, delusions. Tore the <laughs> you tore the family apart delusions girl oh, but it's I think it, it touches a nerve because I'm, I'm sure like we've all known someone in our lives who will just do anything to not take it to not take responsibility for their own actions, and it's like ugh, so very frustrating.
1: Yeah, it's um, she's she's something else. You know, there are times where I really love Emily. I think she's a strong woman. I think she's a good character. Um, this is not yeah this is not one of them (laughs) this is where i'm like you're fucking stubborn you're the worst you probably shouldn't have been a mother Mm -hmm. unfortunately um like even though i think in your own twisted convoluted way you love your daughter Mm -hmm. but it's just it's by the way the quote is my family is being torn apart because for some reason you are incapable of taking simple instructions and putting your relationship back together
0: Oh, okay. So I see. So she's more or less just blaming him for this, like f- for this side of the argument. In terms of up until the point where she went and saw him, she's not she's not saying whose fault it is. But now that she's she's removed herself from the equation, she's given her blessing. Go back to her. Now all of a sudden, it's his fault. Yep. Okay. Good. To yeah. Know.
1: Yeah. Clearly <laughs> makes sense, right?
0: Can we talk about Logan and Rory?
1: Yeah, let's talk about those idiots.
0: Okay, so the first note that I made about them for this week's episode was I really don't like this era of Logan and Rory in terms of season five in general is not my favorite Logan and Rory.
1: I think that's fair.
0: Yeah. And then by the end of the page, then by the end of the page, I was like season five, Logan is a sleaze ball.
1: Yeah. So there are, so we talked about in the episode Jews and Chinese food where he was, um how do i put this he was kind of a dick in that you know he was insisting rory come to dinner with them with no regard for the fact that she had company um you know i didn't like that part um mm-hmm. i didn't like in episode 14 say something where he was kind of gaslighting her into yeah. thinking that like he into thinking that she misinterpreted what the relationship was and what hanging out was and basically doing a lot of double talk. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: So there are certainly, so I think my thing with Logan, having watched it the first time was, Oh, here's a new love interest that I think would be really great for Rory. Mm-hmm. Um. But then seeing all these little things that kind of pissed me off about him, which this episode is very much part of that. Yeah, um, I see more the potential of the character Mm -hmm. rather than what he's doing now.
0: Yeah,
1: so I see that he's somebody who can grow on me, yeah, but also right now is pissing me off.
0: (laughs) And I don't think it's until, like, obviously, the podcast has only just reached season five, despite us having seen the whole show a million times over. So, I don't think it's until i sat down to analyze it that i realized why season five logan and rory are not it and i think shockingly like season you know that season six for the longest time was always my least favorite of the show mm-hmm. but from my last rewatch last year or whenever because it's on a constant loop in my house um <laughs> i so when I, whenever the last time i watched season six i realized and now looking back at season five, as we, as we analyze here, I'm like, season six was probably my favorite Logan in terms of all the stupid bullshit family drama that was going on. Logan was really kind of always there for her and always mm-hmm. said the right, always said the right thing when everyone else was saying the wrong thing. So yeah, I, I think I think he, he has different, he has different eras almost like Taylor Swift. <laughs> I
1: was about to say, um, no, I definitely agree. I think, Season six in terms of his character development is really, really great. Hmm. I think I didn't start really, really liking him until the end of season five.
0: Yeah.
1: Where Rory's going through all her shit and he really steps up for her. Yeah. And then that carries over, obviously, into season six. Mm-hmm. But um, this episode is probably the most
0: frustrated I've ever been with him. Oh, but wait until the Founders Day punch. <laughs>
1: um, he's not in that one.
0: No, but it's more so the it's more so the lingering effect that he has on her.
1: Yeah, but I'm more mad now than I am at Founders Day punch.
0: Yeah, because he's just he's in he's in super deluxe. How uh, like I don't finish even that know. finish that, that
1: sentence. Super deluxe
0: what? <laughs> super deluxe. Um what's the ter- super deluxe privileged what's the term i'm looking for i don't College- know you
1: said super deluxe 18 times
0: <laughs> um privileged white boy um what's the fund what's the fund that rich people live off of <laughs> their trust fund? Uh, trust, trust fund I was super oh deluxe trust fund mode like rich rich trust fund douche mode <laughs> oh I'm,
1: I'm, I'm so glad i waited for that um, <laughs> I,
0: couldn't, I couldn't find what is it called the the the, the fun, the fun that they we,
1: live off of
0: <laughs> the fun that rich boys live off of what's the term the privileged white boys what do they live off of i think we all got it yeah um yeah just like when they go into the di- like they go into the dining hall when it's closed it's oh, kind of God. like oh look at me i know a lot of locksmiths and i'm so pretentious But I I think what bothered me most about that was less him having a key to the dining hall and more so that Rory was so preoccupied with paying for her handful of Cocoa Puffs.
1: Seriously, like you had an Ivy League school.
0: No, but especially like, really, the cat like the cat like capitalist society can't spare a handful of Cocoa Puffs.
1: So seriously, this is the one time where I'm like, yeah, Logan, tell her fucking Cocoa Puffs. Seriously, relax, Rory. Also, I'm also really surprised that Rory is going along with like the breaking and entering thing.
0: I mean, is it breaking and entering if they have a key?
1: How do you get the key? Well, how
0: <laughs> okay, sure. I mean no, because you
1: know she's always such a goody two shoes. Yeah, okay, we can and, call like,
0: very like... much a rule follower. Yeah, we can call it like civil disobedience.
1: <laughs> I guess. I mean, that whole thing was weird, anyways. Um, I so that bothers me too. That he's like, you know, I kind of own
0: you. No,
1: no, but he's like, you know, I have a key and my family has donated so much money, and I'm like, oh my god, we get it, you're rich, Mm
0: -hmm. like, we get
1: it. (laughs) Um, then there's another part of me that's like, you're both pretending in this episode to be something you're not and the way it manifests itself in logan is really ugly so yeah. i'm uh, so we should back up we should say that lorelei and rory go shopping and Lorelai sees logan on a date with another girl mm-hmm. and is immediately upset because he thinks that she's that he's cheating on rory yeah and then Rory has to explain to her mother that like, no, it's casual. We agreed to see other people. That's him seeing other people, blah, blah, blah. Um, So just by the look on Rory's face, you can tell she's insanely upset. Yes. Because I think by this point, she has started to like convince herself that he really likes her and he's taking an interest in all of her things. You know, like he went to the theater with her. Mm -hmm. And that I think she's convinced herself that she's the only girl he's seeing. Yeah. Even though she knows that that wasn't the arrangement. Or I guess it's different seeing it with your own two eyes, right? Than just Mm -hmm. kind of knowing it in abstract terms. So when Logan confronts her, I don't know why I keep saying that word today. But when Logan is in the Yale Daily News and is like, hey, did I see you on State Street? Blah, blah, blah. And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, well, we both agreed. It's casual. And I'm like, Rory, who the fuck are you trying to convince? Because it's like you're trying to convince yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, because we all know just based on her body language and her demeanor that Logan doesn't do... Logan. Rory doesn't do casual dating. And I think yeah. I think she's trying to hold on. Like, she, you can tell she she likes Logan and she wants to be with him. And I think she's trying to meet him where he is and that's and that's not that's not going well and that's not what she I don't think that's what she should do I think she's kind of compromising a bit of her self-respect doing that so I think she learns very quickly but takes her a minute to get there
1: (laughs) yeah I think for Rory it's You know, when they first got together, she said she wasn't looking for anything serious. And I do really believe her when she said that back then, right?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Because she had just gotten out of her relationship with Dean and she was kind of still a little bit lost. So I think she thinks that's what she wanted. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily think it started off with her thinking that this was going to be something more. Right. But now I think maybe she's realizing that she does like him and that like you said I think she'll take him any way she can get him and for him it's that's a casual relationship even yeah. though that's not her style right right um and I think she's starting to realize that it bothers her more than she thought it would
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's just shitty <laughs> <laughs> it's shitty because you know you can tell she's upset in the newsroom and trying really, really hard to like joke with him and make him feel like, no, this is fine. Like, this is what I wanted all along. We're like, bitch, who are you kidding?
0: Yeah. So I have a question just in general, (laughs) seeing as how we usually relate our own lives or try to relate our own lives to what the characters are going through. And I think that's natural for anyone watching any piece of fiction or consuming any piece of fiction. So I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think either of us really experienced this kind of college, like, it's college. Like, I don't think any of us really experienced, either of us experienced this type of dating in college. No. Okay, so I don't know. To me, I, like, to me, it's just very difficult to understand, and that's why I'm quick to always cast things off as heterosexual nonsense, but things are even worse with the gays, so I can't even... I was really? about to
1: say I, this is rampant in the gay community.
0: Oh, it, mm, it's even worse. So yeah. um if it's even worse cuz like it's with grown ass men who didn't have who didn't have this in their teenage years. So like it's even worse. So mm. um I don't know. To me it's 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 almost like Logan and Rory both know like we both know that they want each other, right? Like we both know they're interested in each other based on how Logan reacts to to Robert bringing her to this Quentin Tarantino party, which we'll get into, um, and he wants to like run away, like go, we'll go anywhere, your place, my place, we'll take the train into the into New York and spend the night at the Plaza. Like again, super deluxe trust fund babies is. Uh...
1: We get it. You're rich.
0: <laughs> yeah, so to me, I think this is in itself character development for Logan. But at the same time, they're both just succumbing to this ridiculous societal expectation that, like, oh, it's college. it's burn call Like, okay, mm-hmm. like, what does that have to do with anything? So
1: <laughs> obviously,
0: uh, but to me, it's it's to me it's a foreign concept. That's why I was wondering.
1: No, I think the the whole concept of. Because you're getting that from Lorelai, right? Rory, Lorelai is like, "Oh, it's college," you know. Well, L- Rory says it first, and then Lorelai repeats it to Luke. Right. Um, I think what they mean by that is, college is the time to kind of not take yourself too seriously, mm-hmm. um, and for lack of a better term, explore your options, and not just with with dating. But I think just in life in general, it's the first time you're kind of out on your own, not living under your parents' roof. It's the first time you can make your own decisions, hopefully without judgment. So I don't think it's so far-fetched to say that it's a time where a lot of people kind of um, experiment with all kinds of different things, right? Right. So in Logan's case, I think he takes that to one extreme where he's like I'm just going to date everyone mm. um and have fun and do me because <laughs> um as we find out later on there are a lot of not only societal but familial pressures on him yeah and for Rory I think it's here's this guy that she really likes that's in this whole new world that she wants to be a part of and she's also succumbing to the pressures of college in that she should be out having fun, meeting new people, dating. You know, it's just a it's a whole new world for Rory. The
0: way Um, you keep saying whole new world, I'm picturing Logan in the magic carpet. Yeah, flying on a magic carpet over
1: I had the same image, but I was trying to banish it from my mind. Thank you so much. (laughs) well yeah I think it's just that's it for me college is just a different time in a young person's life um yeah that maybe requires a little bit more self-exploration right
0: yeah I think I think that's probably the end goal is that by saying to what like when Rory says to mother, like oh it's college I think they're like they're at an age where they're they're old enough to kind of have a sense of themselves, but still young enough to to be stupid about it. Yeah, it makes sense. So yeah, um, they're kind of. I think at least from I think Logan, it's Logan's influence that makes her want to say that. I don't know if I think based on everything that happened to Rory at the end of season four and then into season five, because we all forget how we all quickly forget how. Uh, Dean was actually in the beginning of season five and they were together yeah so I think I don't know I think that brief reconciliation with Dean was a bit of a wake-up call for her and that I don't want necessarily to go back I think you know we saw in season four how she was struggling to find her place and her footing in the college and adult life and then so she went backwards she tried to go backwards and was with Dean again and then that ended badly. So I think, I don't know. I think she's, I think she is at an age and in a mindset where whatever, whatever's going to take, whatever's going to take me to the next, to the next stage in my development. I want to, I want to get there, even if it's going to be messy or the wrong thing. Like I want to, it's almost as like just she's saying like, I want to make mistakes, even though I'm the kind of person who hates mistakes. My, everything must be perfect. never, experienced anything but perfect in my life
1: yeah i (laughs) mean yeah but don't forget also like she slept with her married ex-boyfriend and they got back together like instantly yeah you know and then before that she was with jess in a committed relationship and before that she was with dean for two and a half years Mm -hmm. so maybe the fact that she told logan that she was okay with casual she actually really meant it because maybe she was starting to realize like had all these like long-term relationships and now I'm in college and it's clearly not working. And maybe it is time to let loose a little bit, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think obviously the audience knows that she's not that kind of person, but maybe she herself yeah, wants it, to.
1: That's what college is about also. Right. Like when, when I say it's about self-exploration, it's about also trying new things and maybe those new things lead you to realize that like, Nope, not for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which
0: so, yeah and think, I think it's all it's all on the it's all the the messy winding road of self the self discovery and the like so
1: young adulthood
0: I don't... <laughs> gross. yeah gross
1: yeah <laughs> you know what let me let you know a little secret adulthood also gross
0: Okay, well, I was gonna say, (laughs) you're not that old, even though you always make me make me out to be like, I'm calling you old. So I I wouldn't say you're all you're in like, full blown middle aged adulthood. So I can say you're probably in still young adulthood as well.
1: Nobody would call me a young adult.
0: Not a young adult. I mean, like, you know, in terms of the state, like, the millennial ennui of (laughs) being, you know, being in your 30s and not and still feeling like you're
1: 12 <laughs> well, i got called a geriatric millennial the other day
0: i wouldn't go that far
1: no apparently that's what i'm that's what i am
0: no you're not i think geriatric millennials are like early to mid 80s <laughs> no like born in their growing born, born in the early to mid 80s not in their 80s <laughs> no i understand
1: i'm not an octogenarian but um anyways regardless uh I think in this episode, they're both mucho jealous. Mm-hmm. Because let's talk about this party.
0: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less for... Which one is it? I can remember which one is which. Colin or Finn? Which one is it? Who's having the birthday party? Finn. Finn. <laughs> um, I would expect anything less for him to have a Quentin Tarantino-themed birthday party. And that also feels really really on-brand. Gilmore Girls in general and Amy Sherman Palladino to give her an excuse to have some kind of niche pop culture themed event that might have taken place in Stars Hollow in years past but now Mm -hmm. we're at college so we have to move the setting to college um yeah okay so (laughs) earlier I said I had questions about Quentin Tarantino Uh so my first question is have you ever seen Pulp Fiction
1: yes of course
0: okay so <laughs> so I've never seen it and the only reason why well I'm it's not doesn't really like I'm not 100% interested in it like oh my gosh I must drop everything and see it because I've never seen it um but one like the main reason why I've never really, really sought it out is because my mom has always said it was like one of the only movies that she ever walked out of the theater at from really yeah and I think she just was I don't she can't really pinpoint it cause I don't think she ever, ever saw it all the way through obviously so mm-hmm. she said she was just grow like just couldn't sit through it, grossed out or something. Oh,
1: she's grossed out. Well, um, Quentin Tarantino is known for his like very gory, violent scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, like have you seen any of the Kill Bills?
0: So I was gonna say, so I was gonna ask if you've seen Pulp Fiction, so I'm gonna say I've never seen any Quentin Tarantino movies. Oh,
1: okay. Okay. <laughs> um okay. <laughs> yeah, so I've seen most.
0: I don't so know I've if I, I was gonna ask you if I should. Do you think I should see some?
1: I don't know if you would like them.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I couldn't say if it was my cup of tea because I don't, I don't really know much about them.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you would enjoy them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm, you might like... Maybe not. <laughs> we can talk afterwards. <laughs> but I think it's, it takes a special... I don't know. I think you have to be in the right mindset.
0: Yeah, it's very it's very niche, I assume.
1: Yeah, but they're also just like some of them are really confusing like Pulp Piction, for example um, is told completely out of order.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So it makes it, I've seen it twice because the first time I was fucking lost. But um, Like, I think there's something like eight scenes and they're all told like it starts with scene four or something. Okay. But then, scene four is a flashback. Mm-hmm. Like it's you have to really be in the mindset, I guess. Okay. Um, Makes sense. And then other ones are just like here are these people going at it with a sword. <laughs> so I don't know if you'd like it.
0: I mean, I from what I like, I don't know much about the movies themselves, but from what I've se- like, I've you know seen Quentin Tarantino himself like either in interviews or. He has dabbled in acting himself. And so what I what I know him best from as an actor and just in general is he had a recurring role on alias. And he was mm. just, like, this this bad guy, obviously. And he was just really creepy. And I find that even when I see him not acting, like see him either like on a red carpet or in an interview or whatever, I just like I'm just very disturbed by him. By him, I don't. I can't explain it. My mom says the same thing. She's like, "Yeah, it's he's weird. I can't watch." Like,
1: no, no, he's definitely weird. <laughs> um, and he's definitely said some shit that like is eyebrow raising. Hmm. Like he's defended Roman Polanski in the past. Gross. He's since come out and said that it was a mistake to defend him, but you know, still. Yeah. Um. You know, he has some questionable views of Harvey Weinstein and uh sexual harassment in hollywood in general
0: mm-hmm.
1: he's been called out a bunch of times for his use of racial slurs in his movies
0: so what you're saying is typical white man in hollywood
1: yeah okay. yes <laughs> yeah and obviously when so i watched kill bill with my dad um, okay because and and Kill Bill, so Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Kill Bills, all the Kill Bills, and I think some of his more recent movies, um, probably Inglorious Bastards, but some of the other ones too, which are escaping me right now, were all produced by either Miramax or the Weinstein Company.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So there's been a lot of talk about that as well.
0: Um yeah, this sounds familiar. I remember that when all that was going down, his where it was where does his allegiance lie?
1: <laughs> yeah, essentially. So, and that's why I think he often gets sucked into doing these interviews where he says really stupid shit. Um, yeah. What whether or not you know he believes them or not, or he's just saying them to say them. I don't know. But obviously this is Did he, yep.
0: did he also do Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I'm think of someone else.
1: No, that's him, but it wasn't under that was in 2019 so it was yeah. way after the the controversy and I think that were, well I know that was produced by another company yeah but all his, early, all, all his early successes yeah. like Pulp Fiction which is his his most famous movie was pr- produced by Miramax
0: yeah so I know that my dad is a fan obviously of Pulp Fiction so I'm pretty sure it was, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was with he was with my mom the time they went so oh, that was mom. it that that was a good date night um, I feel
1: like, I feel like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, the Kill Bill movies, like all those movies really speak to white cis het men.
0: Okay, that's what I was going to say. Like, it's because, unfortunately... You know, like when
1: those type of men say like, like, Fight Club is my favorite movie, and you're like, Red Flag.
0: Yeah, and you know, nothing really against my father. I love him, but he- <laughs> my he... But like you know, as he's gotten as he's gotten older, he's actually home, so I probably shouldn't speak that loudly about him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I you can't. know, like I, he's but like he's in it; he can't hear you. But he's just saying, um, he's in his like he's in his sixties now, and he is a bit can be a bit prone to saying things like, you know, what? I don't care. I'm an I, I'm an old white man. I you know what? The, I'm Just and it's usually at the end of like me trying to politely and respectfully like explain like you know pronouns or it's like different politically correct terms and transgender yeah that kind of thing or a lot of like I think he and he does a lot of it to you know like when your parents like purpose purposely say the wrong thing to bother you and like get you all upset
1: yeah it's so shitty of them
0: yeah so like my mother my, does the same thing yeah both my parents love doing that to me and so I think a lot of it I think a lot of he, he he'll make like a lot of like weird anti-feminist comments sometimes like when I'm going on a rant about something and I, th- and I I can I think that's more of a joke because in public like he's not he's he's not he's not like that so um but you know it comes it comes a point where it's like you say enough do you say something enough time as a joke is like do you actually believe that
1: yeah I always so, I always start to think like are you joking or are these jokes like steeped in your real beliefs
0: yeah so I think I don't know I think as he's get as he's gotten into his 60s he's just like much more unfiltered than he used to be which is a bit exhausting at times oh so, yeah for sure yeah Have but to,
1: I, I find having to educate your parents about like certain things one of the most exhausting things yeah.
0: um but, like, <laughs> yeah
1: but having to educate your parents about social issues sometimes is can get really really exhausting and, um, but it's also, so the thing is it's exhausting, but it's really necessary.
0: And that's what makes it exhausting though. Is Cause you're so yeah. like, you're my parents. Like you're the closest thing to me. I like, I cannot rest at night knowing that you think this, you know? Yeah.
1: And the thing is also, you're like deep down inside. I know you're a good person. Mm. Well, you'd like to think that they're a good person. Yeah. So you're like, I need to explain this to you again, because I know you're a good person. And I know if you just listen, you'll get it. Yeah. But I think part of it, part of keeping your own sanity is also
0: knowing when to stop. Absolutely. But anyways, I think we've gone off topic. (laughs) Well, Um, all of that to say, yes. All of
1: that to say is, I don't know if Jeffrey would like Quentin Tarantino movies.
0: (laughs) And Quentin Tarantino movies resonates definitely with a certain geographic, geographic depth demographic
1: demographic (laughs) is what you wanted to say
0: uh demographic of uh straight white straight white cis hetero men so as you were saying um yeah I was gonna my my, my, I was gonna use the term dad movie because I think in the night, like Reservoir Dogs was the 90s too right
1: uh yeah early
0: 90s okay so like both Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs came out in the 90s so I feel like you know Men who were like my dad would have been in his late twenties at that time. So like men in the nineties, maybe like yuppies like my dad was, (laughs) kind of saw themselves not maybe not represented, but like they thought like, oh, that's like real cinema, you know? Like that whole like I mean, (laughs) you should
1: read reviews of pulp fiction. Yeah. And it's really wild to see what people had to say about it, both at the time and now. It it won a bunch of awards. It um, they talk about it as if it's like this groundbreaking thing.
0: Do and you I'm think like, it is? No. <laughs> then again, you are very hard to impress. I mean,
1: it's no, it's not okay. I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: I'll take your word for it.
1: Yeah, you don't have to watch it. It's fine.
0: I don't know if I'd like it though. Like that's what you're saying. Like I, you know, I'm I'm all for a good artsy like told out of sequence what's the purpose of why they why they make it this way like I'm an English major I'm (laughs) I know how to analyze you know so (laughs) Um, no but I'm just saying in terms of like I know how to read a text in terms of why is it told this way so yeah I think depending on the film it can be interesting to watch it for like to, to watch it for its artistic value but then there's the you know then there's movies like Call You Call Me by Your Name, which you hated. So
1: oh I fucking hated that movie.
0: <laughs> anyway, like, moving on. So much
1: I hated it. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Um, so Robert and Rory go to Finn's birthday party. Mm-hmm. And Logan is there with a girl named Whitney. Yes. And Logan sees Robert and Rory walking in and says, Let's go get a drink, but really he just goes to say hi. And there's this moment where Logan and Robert are kind of, like, staring each other down. Hmm. And I'm like, what's going on over here? <laughs> um, But anyway, so Rory's casually dating. She's having a conversation with Robert. And Robert's like, I'm going to get a drink. And then Logan comes up to her. And he's like, let's go. Yeah. And he takes her into the corner. And is basically like, I don't like that you're here with Robert. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You hypocrite. You're here with somebody else also. Yeah. And then she's like, well, well, you said. And she's like, I know what I said. You petulant child. And I'm like, why didn't you just ask her to the the movie? (laughs) The birthday party. Like, that's what I'm saying. He's so in denial. Like, clearly you like her and you wanted to ask her.
0: Like in denial, or he's like, does he does have this like facade to live up to of like, I'm the big man on campus who is rich and can do whatever he wants and will date whoever he wants. So it's but probably actually, both. Yeah.
1: But I'm thinking also, like, maybe he's in denial of the fact that, like, because he's been keeping up the charade and the facade for so long, mm-hmm. he's like, I like, date her exclusively. And then so in my head he's like trying to convince not convince himself but in my head he's just trying to tell himself like yeah i can date her i can date other people like i dated her earlier this week let me date whitney now like i don't need to be exclusive with her and it's like you clearly like her you buffoon (laughs) oh i'm so tired of men me too well you
0: have no other options (laughs) oh my god I can't believe you just said that (laughs) well unless you do no I don't but Kristen Stewart is not gonna marry you okay I know I'm sad
1: (laughs) no but I mean it's just it's so like she clearly accepted the date with Robert because in her head she was like well if Logan could date other people I can date other people yeah so she was like yeah let's go let's go and then he's like I really like her but we've decided that we're going to date other people so that's what i'm going to do i'm going to date other people but then you corner her at the party and you're like let's get out of here and
0: ditch our dates
1: like why did you ask her then
0: that's too easy we, we're we playing games
1: clearly it's so frustrating though like
0: mm-hmm. you like her yeah
1: like even though you're in college it's all very high school
0: absolutely
1: And then Rory gets all smug when she calls her mother later and tells her that, like, oh, yeah, well, he's already called me twice today and we have plans for next week already. So clearly you only went to the party with Robert because you wanted to make him jealous.
0: Yeah, and it's it's not the humble brag you think it is. It's
1: really not, honey. (laughs) Like, no. No,
0: no, baby, no.
1: No, baby, no. Yeah, it's just but he's also really douchey in this
0: episode. He Let's is, like, take a
1: train to New York and we'll stay at a Plaza. Shut the fuck up.
0: Yeah, full bag mode.
1: Yeah, like we're both here with other people. And if you didn't want her to date your friends then you shouldn't have had a casual relationship with her.
0: I think these are all just very obvious things that are in front of their faces, but they're just this is why it's frustrating. And, and that's why I think it was almost easier in a way to invest in the high school puppy dog love of seasons two and three because it was a I'm not gonna say it was predictable but it was like I don't know less stupid Mm, I don't know you know what I mean (laughs) the words are gone.
1: I know the words are (laughs) gone. But it's just a little ridiculous to think you both like each other and you're both just still playing games. And for what? Because you said it was gonna be casual. Okay, you can unsay it. Mm-hmm. You don't, it's not legally binding. Like whatever. It's just ridiculous.
0: It's so well ridiculous. for uh, you know, what Logan is 20, 21, 20, I think. So no for a 20...
1: 20. he's
0: twenty-two. Okay. So for even even worse. So for a twenty-two-year-old boy, uh mm. super deluxe trust, super deluxe trust fund baby boy we're calling this um, episode
1: super deluxe <laughs>
0: um that's just like co- like commitment issue like not wanting to commit like a, you know a man of his of his age and his uh financial background that shouldn't have to commit like male privilege dictates that he doesn't
1: yeah when we get to the episode where he takes Rory to dinner mm-hmm. at his house we're going to have to have a conversation about um, like societal expectations when you come from a certain family and what it means to settle down and, um, you know, why that makes men, certain men, commitment phobic, I
0: guess. Well, I was re-
1: kind of implied in the show.
0: Yeah, and I, what I th- and I would think you would have some personal anecdotes coming from an ethnic background of, like, societal expectations as well, right?
1: Yeah, but not, like, the rich kind of waspy... Okay. You have to, <laughs> you have to marry well, and you have to marry a trophy wife, like... Okay. But, yeah, I think there are certain things that might be similar and other things that I'm just still as baffled by 20 years later. hmm Because, um and i'd like to think that maybe we've changed since then but but i i don't know cuz even when i was watching it when i was younger i was like what do you mean he has to marry somebody who's not going to work like it just didn't compute in my mind i
0: don't know i think it would depend on the i think it would depend on the culture so i don't know like i wouldn't i'm, I'm not from that culture so i would be able, i wouldn't be able to say it definitively but
1: but i think even in a different culture Mm-hmm. like are you talking about ethnics
0: no I'm even talking about like in the culture of like the Huntsburgers like they're in this upper yeah but society. I
1: think that's super like elite people like how much money do you have to have to not work in this economy
0: <laughs> yeah
1: because my mother would be like find somebody who's gonna work their ass off
0: because bills yeah I don't know I'm thinking like 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 Vanderbilt, almost in terms of they they wouldn't yeah. like they could work but it's like oh you're working that's cute like you don't actually have to it's
1: like a hobby
0: <laughs> like I love I run my own fashion empire, but it's, a, it's <laughs> a hobby like I do it, but I do it only because it fulfills me. My husband is my full-time job
1: yay <laughs> yeah, like those Instagram girlfriends
0: yeah exactly stay at
1: home girlfriend is not a thing and I would like to apply for the job
0: oh, would you though
1: <laughs> no, I think I'd go insane
0: yeah, and I think you'd lose I think you'd lose your feminist badge
1: <laughs> no one hundred percent. I mean, and also, like, it would be cool for the first two weeks. And then I'd be like, I'm going insane.
0: Mm-hmm. I need
1: to do something. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah. I'm
0: like, and like at, you know, at the risk of at the risk of sounding a bit, you know, dark, isn't that kind of like a bought and paid for sex slave?
1: I mean, do you?
0: <laughs> if that's what you want out of life. I don't say, no. Oh, oh. <laughs> see, ladies, you have the choice. Let's call it choice. <laughs> oh lord (laughs) i
1: think uh that's all we have to say for this episode
0: did you want to touch on michelle being a a crybaby
1: i mean all i wanted to say about michelle is like if there was ever any doubt that this man is gay (laughs) like i don't know what to tell you at this point if you're still thinking if you're watching this episode and you're like that's a heterosexual man you need therapy
0: I don't think anybody in 2023 thinks that. Maybe in 2005? No, I'm sorry. Even in 2005, you're like, he's gay. Did you think that in 2005? Yes. (laughs)
1: Okay. (laughs) From the first moment he opened his French mouth, I thought that in
0: 2005.
1: (laughs) In 2001, I mean. Like, this man is gay. But he did go on The Price is Right.
0: Yeah, but then he decided to be... And I think Suki pinpoints it well when he says he can he can dish it out, but he can't take it, and that's well. Oh, but the, we always knew that about Michelle. Yeah, I know. But as like you know, back in our very first season, when I shocked the hell out of you and I said I didn't like Michelle, it was moments like these that stick out in my brain. Because yeah. I'm like, like it's not all about you. Like and in and, and it's not even like funny or comedic relief at some at some in some instances. Like I'm thinking of this, and and then when his dogs like his dogs die, and like like okay, Only one dog dies. True, <laughs> like when his dog Gus, singular dies, I think it's just, like, I think it's meant to be showing like the different character ant- antics between you know Lorelai and M- M- Michelle, Michelle and Suki, and that's all well and good. I just think it it crosses a line between this is funny and oh it's just how he is to like this isn't like this this is this is not cute. Like you're you 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 ruined the photo shoot even if you didn't intend to by having your your rig show up out of like unannounced. You didn't want to pay for, and are you or you didn't. He didn't want the key. He didn't want like half the cash value. He wanted the whole cash value. And well, they're like, uh, by
1: the can't... way, I would also want the whole cash value.
0: Yeah, I know, but at the same time, like you can't like he like, they just take responsibility for your actions.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I think um you know there are certain times, even when they were working at the Independence Inn, it wasn't the Dragonfly, where you're kind of like, oh, Michelle like do your job and shut the fuck up
0: yeah i think yeah. just uh, like how we how we always say like we've never once wanted to know more about suki than we already do cuz she's a, like you know she's a, she's a nightmare she's a disaster i wouldn't necessarily say the exact same thing about michelle but there's times where it's like oh maybe i would like to know more about him like there's times where he surprises you and then there's other times like this where it's like like go away just run along
1: yeah Yeah, I do. During this episode, I do wonder why he has such huge gift bags for a snow globe and a book. (laughs) (laughs) Like he has over these huge (laughs) bags and they're like, oh, a snow globe.
0: You're like, why
1: was it in such a big bag, Michelle?
0: And imagine giving a married woman with children books called He's Just Not That Into You.
1: Yeah. Those are like, um, oh, fuck, I needed to get them a
0: gift. Probably.
1: And I'm at the airport. Let me get them a gift.
0: Yeah. Just cause moments earlier, Suki remarks that they've been airplane booked because all of their fancy books have been stolen by guests and replaced yeah. with their vacation reads.
1: But who's reading Jonathan Swift? Like, let's be honest.
0: They're just I think they're just stealing that because they liked it. <laughs> like that they, they liked the aesthetic of that book.
1: Yeah, but like nobody's reading Gulliver's Travels for fun.
0: No. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Not on vacation.
1: Jesus.
0: (laughs) And one last note I do have about this episode is how Kirk is homeless because (laughs) Luke decides to tell him to be a grown-up and move out of his his mother's house because apparently Kirk's mother is allergic to Lulu, which I think is a crock of shit. No shit, it's a
1: crock of shit.
0: (laughs) She doesn't like her.
1: Obviously.
0: Um, So first he ends up sleeping in Luke's boat. and Why la- is he naked? I think he just he just sleeps that way. Yeah, so okay, ends-
1: but like <laughs> when I sleep other places, <laughs> when I leave home,
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I bring bottoms with. Me. I don't know. I think that's another aspect of male privilege. Like, why should he have to? You know, I'm a man. Why should I have to be constrained in the nighttime?
1: I mean, because you're not in your house? (laughs) And it's a felony?
0: Kirk is a child. We know this. Why would he have a a reasonable adult comprehension skills?
1: But to be fair to Luke, because I know Lorelai gives him shit for having a conversation with Kirk about... Well, she says you you don't suggest things to Kirk. Mm -hmm. To be fair, I think it's a valid point that Luke made. of Like, you're a 30-plus-year-old man. Mm-hmm. you're complaining about you're not happy in your relationship because you want it to be quote-unquote real. Get yeah. the fuck out of your mother's house. Like, we know you got the money. Absolutely. So we find out later that he has all the money in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, you can rent an apartment in Stars Hollow. It's not yet 2023. It's probably reasonably priced.
0: Yeah, but why would he do that when you have his mother care for him?
1: Because he wants to have sex with his girlfriend, and his mother's allergic to her
0: yes but kirk is slow so how would he get there within a bush
1: well that's why luke pushed him (laughs) like somebody has to
0: yeah but i think is just saying like it's it's easier for all of us if kirk is not our problem
1: (laughs) yeah i get that but like do you think he's still living with his mother in the year in the life maybe i missed that part Um... my guess is yes
0: Either yes or his mother has since died.
1: Huh.
0: I don't know. I don't that's I don't think that, that they say that in your life. That's what I'm imagining. Like I would think by that time, I don't know if she'd still be alive, but we never actually see her. So who knows how old she is.
1: Did she take your Beach Boys album again? <laughs> that was funny. So then he
0: ends up sleeping in Rory's room and then calls Rory and asks if he can crash at her dorm.
1: And then he sleeps then... in the RV.
0: Yeah, and then the episode ends with Kirk making the RV his home.
1: But also, he's still not wearing clothes. And I want to know if he walked from Lorelai's house to the RV with no clothes on.
0: Knowing Kirk, probably yes.
1: Oh, what the fuck? Go get some bottoms. (sighs) (sighs) What can you do? Where can they find us, Jeffrey?
0: They can follow us on tweeters at Gilmore Podcast. Uh, they can follow us on Instagram at Gilmore Girls Podcast. Uh, you can e- email us, gilmorepodcast at gmail.com. And you can subscribe to our email newsletter that comes out with every new podcast episode. It's called Lunch at Luke's, and you'll receive a little Gilmore Girls trivia, what, what we're reading, watching, listening to at the moment, all things of that nature. You can subscribe to this newsletter at Podcast.substack.com and that's about it and we
1: will see you next time thank you thank
0: you for listening